So then I decided to open up the my personal space and make it into more of a community, yeah, community space where people could actually, where we could do, actually do classes, people could uh, practice, we could do internships, you know, um, uh, work exchange programs, you know, so these are some of the things that we do. And we have long and short-term classes, we have one-time classes where people can come in and experience pottery in just a, you know, like one try. Good morning, this is Epicenter NYC. We connect our communities to news, information, and each other. I'm Andrea Pineda-Salgado. When Reuben King was growing up on the Caribbean island of Dominica, his family owned a farm that didn't have electricity. That meant no refrigerator. Instead, they'd keep water cool by storing it in a clay vessel. He didn't pay much attention to the making of the vessel until he was 17 and attended the Marigot Arts and Crafts Institute. It was there where he fell in love with the art of pottery making. Now, King owns Brooklyn Clay Industries, a teaching studio where people of all ages and skill levels can learn about ceramics. Located in the Brooklyn Navy Yard, the studio is a cozy space that overlooks the Manhattan skyline. Today, King and I talk about what led him to a career in ceramics, what inspires him, and why he decided to open Brooklyn Clay Industries. Before we continue, a quick message from our sponsors. Experience the official playlist to Onyx Collective's hit series, Reasonable Doubt, featuring music by Jay-Z, SWV, Outkast, Alice Smith, and more, right on Spotify. Just search for Reasonable Doubt official playlist or click the link in our show notes. Also, keep an eye out for the original score by Adrian Young and Ali Shaheed Mohammed, available on November 4th. Now, back to the show. My name is Ruben, Ruben King. Uh, I'm originally from uh, Dominica, Caribbean island. Well, since I came here, it's always been my intention to actually set up a studio. It took me about 11 years when I pulled it off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, after that, I set up a studio, one of the first community studios in Williamsburg. Uh, that was like in 19... Like about, yeah, 95, and I moved from there to Brooklyn Navy Yard. It was actually a personal studio for a while. Like, I sold some of the my equipment, some of, you know, not everything could actually fit in here. And it was always my intent to start the studio again. So then I decided to open up the my personal space and make it into more of a community, yeah, community space where people could actually, where we could do, actually do classes, people could... Uh, practice, we could do internships, you know, um, uh, work exchange programs, you know, so these are some of the things that we do. And we have long and short term classes, we have one time classes where people can come in and experience pottery in just a, you know, like one try. Uh, we actually started as a, sort of a date night thing on Fridays, Friday evenings, grew in popularity, and so we expanded it. Awesome. And just talking a little bit more about your life before in Dominica, mm-hmm. was clay something that always interested you even then? Uh, yeah, so there was a, a factory in my community that created these water cooling vessels, called them goblets. And they kind of look like the traditional sort of Greek 
with uh, like a neck and a you know wider body. So they produced those. They also made other functional wear, you know, like cooking pots and stuff that people use locally. I remember as a kid we had, especially on the farm, but before we actually had refrigerators, the average person would use one of those vessels as their cooling vessel, you know, to cool their water because, you know, in the Caribbean it's warm climate, so you know it gets pretty warm. And and if you had uh, water in any other vessel. But one of those, the water would sort of take on the atmospheric conditions. But in those clay vessels, the water remained cool, you know, just like spring water from, you know, fresh from a spring, or almost like it had ice in it. Not as cold as that, but uh, pretty cool, you know, like refreshingly cool. And um, so we had those, and they were actually produced locally. I, found, I learned that later on. By that time, actually, once I came of age, that factory had actually been closed many years before. And so um, I didn't get to experience it, you know. But someone started a new uh, art program, art school in my community. And um, pottery and ceramics was one of the main uh, focuses, you know, focus in that program. And so we, um, after high school, I enrolled in that program and started my journey uh, in pottery and ceramics. What piqued my interest was the malleability of the material. It really fascinated me. I mean, we always had clay around, but we never really, I'd never really seen it used in that manner. And even if we had those vessels and stuff, I had no idea how they were actually made. So we would, you know, we would play with clay and do all sorts of silly things, but there was no Real, uh, there was nobody actually practicing at that time when I was growing up. So didn't really see the material being used professionally, you know, uh, in any way. Once I saw uh, saw how clay was being used, I was fascinated by the by the fact that I could make my own vessels and you know make my own cups and my own plates and of course you know those water cooling vessels. It's always of interest to me. So I uh, that was actually those are some of my motivating factors. And was it an easy skill to develop for you? Did it come naturally? Uh, pretty much. Um, the first time I start, I tried it, it actually worked out really well. I got lucky. Beginner's luck, I guess. Just by the second time, I, it was a lot more challenging. Maybe I was a lot more sort of conscious of what I was doing. But like with anything, clay is a, a medium that has to be practiced. Uh, but yeah, I stuck with it, and I became better and better. The more you practice, the better you get. And uh, yeah, it was I really gravitated to it and just kind of just stuck to it. it was was felt natural after a while. When did it turn from interest to like a profession? Profession? Well, in the program that I did, we had the ability to actually make vessels after we've graduated, even before graduation, as we got better. Mm -hmm. We were able to actually make vessels that we could we could sell, you know, and people would come by the institution and they would want to buy some of the work we had. And we would do exhibitions uh, frequently and at least yearly, and people would actually buy some of our work. So when I realized I could actually make money by, you know, from it, I was, you know, more and more interested, you know, figuring, well, you know, this is something I can actually do professionally, you know, I could live by it. You know, and basically that's what I did. 
And did you study at different schools or was this all in Dominic? Well, I, yeah, I studied at different programs. So I started there and um, after graduation, I had the opportunity to study in Jamaica at a, an institution there, Jamaica School of Art. So I studied there for, for some time. And, uh, and then from Jamaica, I uh, also went to Italy. I, had, I got a scholarship to study in Florence basically completed my program in, in Florence and had the opportunity to, you know, travel all over the country. Part of my program actually involved access, you know, to a lot of uh, art institutions and museums and so on. And then after I, I completed my program in Italy, I actually moved to the United States here and I've been actually practicing since, since then. And I know I asked you what got you into clay. I don't think I asked you what got you into art in general. I was always inspired by paintings. I was always fascinated by the ability to uh, to illustrate a nature scene, or you know, um, a portrait. You know, uh, and had you know, just to have to sort of observe portraits or scenes from nature that really represented very well on the page. You know, on the, on the you know two dimensional surface and uh, I wanted to, to be able to build those skills and um, we also had some really amazing painters um, in Dominica and artists in fact my I remember my high school principal he was a great artist and he actually introduced me to drawing and painting so um, that's how my interest actually built and grew and developed King is grateful to be able to share his love of the craft with many curious New Yorkers. So whether you're an expert or have never worked with clay before, I recommend you book a class. The website and Instagram are linked in our show notes. Before we go, our new weekly update on monkeypox vaccines in New York City. Make sure to tune in for the latest information on vaccines, testing, care options, and much more. Hi, I'm Sam Zacker back with this week's New York City MPV update. Last week, we went over what to consider when getting the Genios vaccine for MPV along with other vaccines. To learn more, check out last week's episode. Today, I'll be sharing the most up-to-date information on who is eligible for the vaccine and what the potential side effects are. First, if you tune in every week, then you already know that eligibility has been expanded to anyone of any sexual orientation or gender identity who is at risk for MPV. And, while things may change depending on how the outbreak evolves, right now the vaccine is free and available regardless of immigration status or residency. People who are breastfeeding or pregnant who are otherwise eligible for vaccination can also get vaccinated. If you are breastfeeding or pregnant, make sure to click the link in our show notes to read the full Genios FAQ. In short, they state that while there is limited information on the use of Genios in people who are breastfeeding or pregnant, studies have shown no evidence of harm to a developing fetus. So what are the potential side effects? Tiredness, headache, and muscle pain can occur after both subcutaneous and intramuscular vaccination. Subcutaneous injections are administered in the fat layer underneath the skin, while intramuscular injections are delivered into the muscle. Both types of vaccination could also cause redness, swelling, soreness, and itchiness at the injection site. Again, for more details, check out the Genios FAQ linked to in our show notes. Thanks for listening. Join us weekly for more news and information on MPV in New York City. Keep in mind that things are changing quickly. 
So if you have any specific questions or need help making a vaccine appointment, reach out to us directly at vaccine at epicenter-nyc.com or call 917-818-2690. For more ways to get involved in your community, visit us at epicenter-nyc.com. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. And thanks for supporting us as we do our best to support our community. We couldn't do it without you. And if you're not already a member, sign up today by using the link in our show notes. Our intro music is All the Pretty Horses by Kravika. You can find more of their music on their website, linked to, in our podcast description. 